I'm Randy Brutkowitz, and today we're talking with Dr. Tammy Collins. Dr. Collins received her PhD degree in biochemistry from Duke University. After a one-year postdoc at Duke studying topisomerase II complexes using FRET and cross-linking agents, she was an early postdoctoral fellow in the mitochondrial DNA replication group at the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, or NIEHS, which is part of the NIH, in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. There, she studied the potential role of topisomerase 3-alpha in mitochondrial disease and or environmental stressors. At the end of her training, she transitioned into an acting director position for a postdoc office at the same institute. Since 2015, she's been the full-time director of the Office of Fellows Career Development at NIEHS with a number of accomplishments under her belt as she built the office. How did an NIH postdoc come up with the idea to start a postdoc office in the NIEHS? Let's find out. Tammy, welcome to Pathways. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. Well, thanks. So you are the director of the Office of Fellows Career Development. So tell us a little bit about that and what a typical day for you looks like. So, um, so the central mission of the Office of Fellows Career Development is to make sure that all of the fellows here, and we have about 200, um, have the professional development skills that they need to be successful in whatever career path it is that they choose. Um, and also to ensure that they have um, a, an excellent time training experience while they're here at NIHS. Um, so I would say there's not really a typical day. Um, I do a wide range of things. So I mentioned the professional development. So we try to um, um, train people in teaching and mentoring, in leadership and management, in career readiness and in communication to supplement the competencies that they receive at the bench. So I could be doing anything from you know, having one-on-one -on -one meetings to review individuals' resumes to try to help make them better and help make them um, better articulate their accomplishments. Um, I could be doing um, mock interviews with people or setting up an academic job talk. Um, on other days, I may be mostly at my computer answering emails and responding to questions from people. Um, I could be developing workshops and delivering workshops. Um, I could be planning for um, hiring individuals to come in and do workshops. So for example, right now we have um, a nine-week teaching um, in college course going on here at the Institute. And um, you know, here in the government, you can't just you know, bring someone in. There's a lot of um, um, back work that goes into justifying you know, the use of taxpayer dollars um, to bring individuals in. Um, so another thing I would say, so this past year we have accomplished um, you know, a big project which, which was to redo the website for the Office of Fellows Career Development. So when I came into this office, um, we only had one page public site. So over the past few years I've worked with our um, Office of Communications team to redesign this and to showcase to the public what the training environment is like here at NIHS. Um, and another big project I've been working on is to um, track our alumni. So we have found, you know, where all of our alumni from the past 15 years have gone, um, and that's about um, 900 individuals. And so it's been, so that's also been a very exciting project, you know, involving writing a manuscript, going and delivering posters. Um, so you can see that, you know, the things I may be doing on a daily basis can be highly varied. And one of the things I would say about this position is that I really get to set 
um, my days and decide, you know, if I want to focus on this or that project um, on, on any particular day. So um, that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this project, as well as learning, um, you know, learning how to use R and do big data um, visualization is not something that I originally anticipated I would be doing when I came into this position. Um, and so that's also been exciting as well. So that's, that's great. Could you tell us how the office started and what your role was in it? Yeah, so the office actually, so it's been around for a while. Actually, it started in 2002, if I'm not mistaken, um, with um, Debbie Swope. That was the first director um, of the office. And then that was followed by um, Diane Klotz. And she, um, so in terms of me getting into the position, um, so, I, so I guess one thing I would say, so when I was in graduate school, um, I was very much in the lab, um, focused on doing my research at the bench. And when I came um, to be a postdoc here at NIHS, um, I made it my mission to get involved um, beyond solely the lab to try to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. Um, so I, I, I had that mindset from the first day I walked in. So I wound up getting very involved with our postdoc association. And it just so happened that um, Dr. Klotz um, left while I was um, in the postdoc association and actually um, when I was president of the association. So um, she, this position was vacant for about a year and a half. And during that time, I didn't want our fellows to lose um, the training and the opportunities that um, you know, we had had previously. So we formed a workshops and training committee um, amongst the postdocs and um, you know, brought in people and worked with the administration here at NIHS to ensure um, continuity. So in some ways, I was really getting, um, you know, hands-on experience in what duties of this job would be like. And I was finding that when I was coming in every day, I was really wanting to do this and realizing that I really love doing this. Um, and so whenever it came um, announced, I applied for the job and I actually had gotten to work with, you know, the hiring manager that would ultimately be the one making the decision for the next person in this role. So um, that's how I how I came into this position. So let's take a step back. Actually, let's go back to the very, very beginning. So tell us, have you always been interested in science or... Did you, did you come about it later in life? And, and as you know, I, I like to ask my guests on Pathways, when were you first bitten by the bug? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've really been interested in science for as long as I can remember. Um, when I was in you know, very young grade school, my dad was buying me chemistry sets and I would play with those. And my grandpa would buy me microscopes because I like to collect bugs and, you know, just explore the natural world. Um, so that's something I've always been interested in. Um, I guess when I decided to really major in science, um, you know, I was influenced heavily by my introductory um, chemistry professor um, at Appalachian State. He was, you know, an excellent, energetic, exciting professor that really um, took the concepts that we learned in chemistry and related them to the real world. And that's um, partly what, you know, what led into me majoring in chemistry. And then um, you know, after that, you know, when I left Appalachian to go into grad school, I was thinking that I wanted to go more in the biological realm. So I actually joined a, um, an umbrella program. Um, it was called the Program in Biological Chemistry um, at Duke University. So I had the opportunity to rotate through both chemistry labs and pharmacology and biochem labs. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the progression from there. So are, are you, any of your family members scientists or are you the, the first one? Um, so I'm really the first one to really go to college um, in my family, but in terms of scientists, so my grandpa was um, really into beekeeping, 
And I think that that probably influenced me. He used to have um, an observation hive in the house because he would actually go take it out to school groups and uh, let them identify the queen bee and you'd learn all about royal jelly and all these things with bees. So I think that that um, probably played a role um, in my interest in, in science, so. Your undergraduate degree is in chemistry, as you mentioned, from Appalachian State. It, but what I thought was interesting, you have a certified chemist concentration there. What's a certified chemist and what was your original plan to, to do with that degree? Yeah, so um, I originally wanted to go into forensic science. I was thinking that that's what I would do. Um, I actually took a number of forensic anthropology classes as well um, and criminal justice. And um, as I, so this kind of relates to anyone who's thinking of exploring career paths, um, you know, as I really got to learn what it would actually mean if I were to become a forensic scientist, um, you know, we have, you know, lots of, a lot of it involved um, rote analysis of compounds. Um, and then if I were to become um, a pathologist, I would have to go to medical school and I, I'm really squeamish. I mean, I even chose, um, you know, projects that didn't involve working with mice and that type of thing, because I knew that that's just not something that, that I can deal with. Um, so I kind of learned over exploring all of these things that that's ultimately not something that would fit in with what uh, my interests and values were. Um, so then what, and I, you know, when I did become, um, or go to grad school, I was thinking at the time, the possibility of becoming a professor um, and moving into the more biological realm, so. Is that what directed you or really pointed you in the direction of, of graduate school for then you thought about being a professor because maybe in forensic science wasn't the way that you were going to go? But what was the, the major impetus to get you to go to graduate school? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say it was my mentors in undergrad. So one of the things that um, was really great about Appalachian is that the professors were very involved um, with us and, they, you know, they really took an interest in caring about us in our lives. And so they, you know, had a lot of mentorship from them. So, you know, I mentioned my intro chem professor and then my organic chemistry professor. And they, they um, you know, really encouraged me to apply to graduate school. And they're the ones who even told me about um, this umbrella program at Duke and you know I have to, at the time I have to say you know I, I really had no idea what other kinds of career paths there were beyond a professor when I was um, you know making that transition so initially when I went into grad school you know I had this notion that um, maybe I would even be working in um, you know medications for antipsychotic drugs or things like that and you know pharmaceutical development. So you talked about what your mentor at Appalachian State, your, your chemistry professor. How about other mentors that you've had that maybe helped guide you to, to where you're at today? Even if you were kind of guided to NIEHS for, for your postdoctoral training. I guess, you know, another influential mentor I had was um, as a student at the, um, summer student at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Um, so that was in a government lab um, and, and my mentor's name there was Dr. Terrell Vandera, and she's also someone that took a great interest, um, in, you know, in her trainees. And I think, you know, having the experience there is part of what um, led to me, um, sorry about that, 
um, part of what led to me thinking of applying to a postdoc in a government lab. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I would say that. And then in terms of my mentorship um, in this role um, itself, so um, Dr. Bill Schrader, um, you know, he was the training director here at NIHS, and he was a great mentor when I first got into this role, um, you know, was very supportive of me. So I feel like all along the way, different stages, you know, from undergrad um, through, you know, to when I started here, I've had a lot of great mentors along the way that have really basically treated me like family and helped me along the way. I think that's really great. And maybe one thing you could elaborate on a little bit more is that you said Dr. Schrader, he was your postdoctoral advisor, and that you, he was very supportive of you going into a role that was, say, non-academic, non-research, but administrative, where you're uh, helping advance the professional development of postdocs. Oh, so he wasn't my postdoc advisor in the lab. So he was, um, you know, the person that I was working with um, as a postdoc that oversaw the whole training environment. So when I was the um, president of the postdoc association, um, but my postdoc advisor here, um, um, Bill Copeland, so he was very supportive in me exploring um, careers beyond the bench and was supportive of, you know me becoming a president of the postdoc association and doing some of the things I was doing. So um, I've really, you know, been fortunate to have people that were supportive of me all along, um, you know, whatever it was that I was going to do in my career. Yeah, that's really encouraging to hear because I think a lot of our, our listeners would be concerned about their mentors not supporting their interest in, in really wanting to go toward down the path of a non-academic career where like, some people think of graduate education as professors cloning themselves yeah. and certainly that's 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 kind of a pervasive view of things but certainly it that hasn't been the case for you where you've had some very very supportive mentors who I think really helped make it easy easier for you to feel comfortable about jumping into something that you really enjoy and can get a lot out of. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's been, um, that's really been key and, and I've been very fortunate, I feel like. And, uh, and I think that, you know, whenever you're selecting a mentor, you know, in the first place, um, being open and honest about what it is that you are interested in so that you, you pick an environment where um, that, that it will be supportive, you know, no matter what it is that you're thinking of doing, so. I know you liked your job. I know you have just enjoy it very, very much. But tell me, what's the most difficult part of your job? The most difficult part, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess it depends. So there, there can be various things that are difficult. Um, so I would say, you know, in the project I'm doing now with the alumni data analysis, so learning some of the things behind um, computer programming and how to use R, um, having never really done these types of things, you know, but at the same time, it's exciting and it's something, you know, something difficult that I took on myself to do because I wanted to be able to learn more. Um, I actually have an, an addition, um, additional staff to my lab or not to my lab, but um, to the office, who's a computer scientist. So he's helped um, train me in using some of these things as well. Um, other challenging things would be, you know, I, I think in any sector, you've got your challenges. So, you know, in the government sector, um, as you know, 
um, you know, challenges if we, if we need to bring someone in to hire them to do things. You know, you have lots of, um, you know, steps to go through um, for that. But for the most part, um, you know, it, it's really, it's been really a rewarding job. And I'd say one of my most favorite things is um, the personal interactions I get with the fellows, um, you know, so whenever you're in the lab, you know, you have the excitement of discovery, um, but I found I'm really missing that one-on-one -on -one interaction and really getting to help individuals on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so that's something that I've really enjoyed um, transitioning into this role. I think that's a really good answer that I was going to ask you a question. What's the most important part of your job? And I, I would almost bet that's the most important part of your job, the one-on-one -on -one interactions that you have with the, the postdocs, with the fellows in order to, to help them navigate where they're where they're going whether it's an idp or other things that you're helping them them with am i uh am i correct in that assumption yeah yeah well and it's like um you know i'd say the most important part is being able to help all of the people here navigate where it is they're going to go um, but at the same time so you have to balance um, your one-on-one -on -one time with the, the larger big projects and strategic directions, you know, like with the um, website development. So that's something that, you know, in order to make that happen, you've got to set aside time to prioritize getting that done so that, you know, it, it basically, it also helps you in your one-on-one -on -one interactions because you've got a lot of resources that you can point to, um, you know, and then, and and determining what types of trainings you're going to have and all these things. So you, you balance the one-on-one -on -one interaction with some of the larger scale projects. Um, so, yeah. I wanted to ask, because my next question I was, I was thinking about would, would be, like if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing in science? And you had said earlier you were interested in forensic science and that when you started graduate school, you're interested in maybe being a professor because you really didn't know what else was out there. Yeah. <laughs> and were there any other considerations you had besides what you're doing now that you might potentially do with your, your chemistry and biochemistry backgrounds? Um, you're, so you're saying what other, what would I be doing if I'm not doing this particular job after um, graduate school, you're thinking? Yeah, so, or even, or even during your post, like when you first started your postdoc. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I really, I had no idea what I was ultimately going to be doing. Um, so, and now that I've gotten into this job, if you were to ask me what other kinds of things I might consider, so something that involves science communication um, or writing um, or marketing things. So I found that because a lot of what I do, I have to, to write up descriptions about the various events. I have to market them. Um, so you, you gain a lot of experience in a wide range of things. And I also really like um, to make, I like visuals and I like to make things look nice. So, you know, in, in the manuscript that we've been working on and the alumni project, um, one of the things we're doing is um, we're working on a data visualization um, dashboard so that people can um, easily see, um, you know, based on how we've got some of the visuals laid out, what it is that individuals are doing. So, um, you know, maybe I might be doing something more in that realm if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now. Um, otherwise, I, I would probably have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have to say that not always having an idea what you want to do is more likely the rule than the exception. I think that's, that's pretty uh, common, I think. So I guess for my last question is you have 
as I, as I mentioned, as you know, we have graduate students listening in, we have postdocs listening in, and some of them, they're in the same boat as you were in in terms of, I don't know if I really, I don't know what I want to do. So what advice would you give them if somebody was interested in being a, a director of an office that's focused on fellows professional development? Yeah, well, so I have some advice that I would give, you know, no matter what it is that someone's interested in doing. Um, first of all, is to really know and assess yourself. So know what it is that you value in a career, um, what are the things that you value, you know, just in your personal life. And then if you really do that self-assessment, then if you move on to the next phase of exploring careers, you're able to do that um, and ask questions about what those careers are like, um, knowing what it is that you value and is important to you. Um, and so then, you know, as you're reading, so looking at myidp.sciencecareers.org um, or, um, you know, reading various blogs about the kinds of careers out there, um, you can do it, you know, through those lenses. Um, the next thing I would say is to get involved and network with others. Um, I mean, I think that's pretty much been ubiquitous, but whether it's joining um, a professional society associated with the career you're interested in. So, you know, in this particular career, I actually was involved with the National Postdoc Association um, prior to um, coming here. But if you're interested in science writing, for example, um, you know, here locally, we have the American um, Medical Writers Association. Um, we have Science Communicators of North Carolina. So finding what kinds of professional associations you can join um, that you know, are relevant to the career you're interested in. And then this, the last thing I would say is then, you know, as you've um, gone down and explored further, is to then put it into practice. So whether that means volunteering, um, so in this case, I was um, essentially volunteering to do some of the work um, ahead of getting the job. Um, but so for science writers, for, you know, as another example, and I say that because we have a lot of postdocs here at the Institute that volunteer to write for our in-house newsletter, The Environmental Factor. Um, so they are getting the experience of developing a portfolio of writing samples um, that they can use as part of their job application. They can also talk about how they've gotten to write in, in a deadline-oriented environment. Um, and they actually are putting it into practice to see if this is really the type of thing that I want to do. Um, so I'd say, you know, overall, doing those four steps will, you know, really help you have a structured way of thinking about exploring career options. Great. So considering that I said this was my, that was my last question, but considering what you just said, I thought I would ask you if, if there's a question that you think I should have asked you that I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that was actually going to be the one <laughs> that I answered for that. Um, but and I think what I would reiterate is the, um, the knowing yourself part and knowing what it is that you really want in the career. So, um, you know, if you are gonna do something like science writing, um, is the reality that you would have to be sitting at the computer, you know, and writing for hours at a time, is that something that is, you know, you would be interested in doing? So, um, or, you know, it, one of the things that come along with that is, is the flexibility and being able to work from home in different areas. But how much do you value actually being in the workplace in a team? So whenever you're looking at different careers, um, you know, is the culture of that particular place such that everybody comes in and everyone's getting to interact and collaborate together? Or is the culture such that people are more, you know, working on their own? So 
knowing what it is that um, energizes you um, as you're working with others and thinking about in different careers and how much autonomy do you want? You know, that was something that's important to me, um, you know, not, not wanting to be micromanaged and wanting to basically, you know, set what it is that, um, that I want to do in, in the direction for this office. Um, so would you, you know, asking those kinds of questions and, you know, when you're looking in careers um, and knowing what it is that, that excites you, so. Uh, I think that's, that's great. So Tammy, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Tammy Collins, for sharing her story of the steps she took from her postdoctoral training in the NIEHS to the development of an office that serves postdoctoral fellows there. I also thank all of you for joining us on this podcast today. Remember, you can find us on the Indiana University School of Medicine's website, SoundCloud, and on iTunes under IUSM Pathways. Also, in addition to the audio from our broadcasts, for some of our interviews, we've captured the video as well. Join us next time on Pathways as we explore the career path of another professional who holds a PhD in the sciences, which landed them in their current and very exciting non-academic position. I'm Randy Brutkowitz. The theme music for Pathways, Supernova, was composed by Aaron Brutkowitz. Pathways is a production of the Indiana University School of Medicine.